What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Jim Callis. I'm John Manuel. Coming to you from uh, two different places today, not even in the Baseball America podcast nook, but we are coming to you sponsored by MLB Network, which will have the draft tonight, Monday, June 7th, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern. And Jim is in Secaucus, New Jersey, getting ready for the draft show tonight, and he'll be on MLB Network tonight. So, Jim, uh, was this the third year in a row you've been on the TV broadcast? Uh, four. Two with ESPN and then uh, two now with MLB Network. I forgot it was four. Time flies. It's been eight years since Will Lingo and I co-hosted the first draft uh, radio show on MLB Radio, which is a awful long time ago. But the draft has come a long way since then, Jim, and this year's draft, uh, you know, really I think does reflect that. The interest in the draft has grown exponentially. Let's dive right in. Any chance at all, Jim, that uh, Bryce Harper is not the number one overall pick of the Washington Nationals? I think there. Uh, you, you never want to say never. But in this case, I think you can say never. He is going to go number one. If he does not go number one, I cannot wait to see the faces of the four guys sitting at the desk for MLB Network's coverage uh, and my face and Jonathan Mayo's face when we do the, do the show tonight because I think we all would be flabbergasted. Not that, not you know, we don't have to belabor this play. I don't think he's quite the can't-miss you know, all-time, you know, once-every-50-years player, you know, whatever you want to call him, the greatest player that ever lived type of guy. But he's the best prospect in this year's draft. I think it's pretty obvious. And after that, I think it's pretty obvious that in either order you want to take him, James and Tyone and Manny Machado are the next two best prospects. And then after that, I think you could get ten different scouting directors, and you cannot get them to agree on how the players stack up after that. There's just everybody views these players so much differently. And that's the really, I think, the story of this draft, Jim. It's going to be the, in in history, it's going to be known as the Bryce Harper draft, and Jameson Tyone and Manny Machado are going to be in that mix. And if one of those guys ends up having a better career than Harper, you know, it'll be known as the draft where somebody took Bryce Harper instead of that guy. But pick four to thirty-two in the first round. Sounds like as volatile a first round as we've seen in quite some time. Yes, uh, and it is, and again, it's because there's no consensus. I think you know you have to you know teams you know we do the same thing. We don't have to pay money for the players when we sign them, but you know you have to line these guys up in whatever order you, you think they should go or how talented you think they are. Whether your team or your you know we just posted our uh, an updated top fifty on the site today. And you can go down the list, and anybody you, you, you pick, you can you can knock. I mean, I think number four on our list is Chris Sale, and I like Chris Sale, but there are a number of teams that worry about his his really exce- you know exceedingly skinny body and how that's going to hold up, and his low three quarters arm angle, and you know is that more conducive the, the build and the arm angle to being a reliever than a starter? And you know, number five on our list is Drew Pomerantz, whose command can be iffy at times, and 
you know, since he strained a pectoral muscle about six weeks ago, has not been the same guy. And number six on our list, I believe, is Zach Cox of Arkansas. And I believe in Zach Cox, but there are people who question, you know, how much power he's really going to have and, and question what position he's going to play. And you go on and on. I mean, there's that's, that's picks four, five, and six, or, or prospects four, five, and six. And there are teams who have major concerns. You could just, you could add their... There are bigger red flags on guys higher in the draft than there usually are. I think that's a good way to put it. I think the other thing, Jim, is we knew at the beginning of the year the college hitting crop was fairly weak. There was not a standout guy. There wasn't a standout group of guys at the top of the college hitting crop that scouts were really – there just wasn't a group of guys who where the wards were smaller. You know, the wards are a little bit bigger on guys this year. And that just has remained true. I mean, people liked Zach Cox coming into the year. He hit whatever he went, 340 in the Cape last year. But there are some power issues. I, I mean, I think you could be concerned that this guy might be the a latter-day version of Sean Burroughs, where you keep waiting for the power, keep waiting for the power, and it's not, it doesn't come. And then you have guys like Bryce Brents and Michael Choice, uh, Christian Cologne coming off the, uh, you know, the broken leg last year and the concerns people have about him and what his position is. The fact that area scouts almost uniformly seem to uh, prefer Gary Brown, and yet Gary Brown has his own question marks. I mean, the guy never walks. He's got a broken finger right now, so you know Fullerton has to win the regional final tonight just to, for maybe Gary Brown to play next week in supers. It's uh, it's just an uninspiring college hitting crop, and that really is, seems to be what leads to the volatility. Yeah, and the funny thing is that said, I think when the first round is done today, you know, and, and guys will you know disparage the the overall hitting crop too. You know, the high school hitting crop is not the strongest either. And all that said, I think when when, when we see the first round ending tonight, you're going to see nearly as many hitters taking the first round than pitchers because and this happens a lot. But when there's a shortage of hitters, teams all it, 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 there's like a stampede, and the teams want those hitters. You know, there aren't that many they like, so let's go get them early. And I think you're going to see a lot of hitters, a lot more hitters draft in the first round than people might expect. It's like your fantasy football draft when there's a run on running backs. Oh, God, i got to get a running back. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you'll see people fall in line. And I think you could very well see that. So uh, that's the first fantasy football draft reference of, the, of draft day. At least we hope it is, and uh, we hope not to make too many more of them. Uh, Jim, let's 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 go team by team a little bit. Not Not every single team, but who are some of the teams where – uh, I guess there are a couple teams where it seems like in every draft where one team has two or three options, and when they take option A, then the dominoes start to fall. Who are some of those teams that maybe hold a key to how the draft goes, or maybe who are some of the key players where you know, they could go either in a single-digit pick or they could go all the way later in the draft? Are there, are there teams like that that maybe hold the key or a, or a key player where if you see, if you're a fan and you're just watching at home and you see that guy go off the board in the first ten picks – then you know some other things could happen. Um, well, I think more the latter. I mean, the, the thing is, there's just so much uncertainty in this draft that here we are, we're talking, it's uh, about 10.15 in the morning as we record this, and I don't think people really have a feel for who Kansas City is going to pick. Um, you know, and they could go they could go with Chris Sale. They could go with Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I think they could go with Michael Choice, perhaps, or Drew Pomerantz. They could go with... Uh, I've even heard that they could go for Asher Wojciechowski if they just decide that nobody's going to sign for what they think is a reasonable number, and they could cut a deal with Wojciechowski. Uh, you know, we just don't know. But I, I think the, what, what, I think the, you do have a number of players who are getting mentioned as top ten picks or top ten talents who, who might not go until the 20s, you know, depending on how things go. I mean, we thought, for instance, 
I think even as recently as last week, the Deck McGuire was a good bet to go number six and probably goes in the top ten. And I actually think, you know, I think Deck McGuire might go tenth to the A's, maybe. But if not, he could start to slide. And, he, and then that slide could deepen depending on how much money he's asking for. Um, the the, the, the uh, chic college pitcher of the moment is Matt Harvey, who's moving up boards. I think he could go six to the Arizona, and I think he could go seven to the Mets. But I'm not convinced either team is going to go over slot or way over slot to get Matt, who's represented by the Boris Corporation. And so if he doesn't go six or seven, I think he could last for a while. I, I think there's also a chance... Uh, if we thought, you know, maybe before Drew Pomerantz had the strained pack, there was a lot of thinking among a lot of people that Drew Pomerantz might be the number two pick in this draft. And he was mentioned in the same breath. You know, Harper was the first guy, but, you know, Pomerantz was on that same tier with Tyone and Machado. I'm not sure. You know, I put Pomerantz at six in our recent mock draft this morning because I had to put him somewhere and it just was getting goofy. But, but I'm not sure Arizona's necessarily going to go over slot. If Arizona doesn't go over slot, I don't think Pomerantz is in the mix for the next few teams. And then again, you know, then you, you start to fall. Then you want to try to push him to a team that is going to pay him. Drew Pom- I, I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but I think Drew Pomerantz could fall fairly far in the first round. That would be a stunning development, uh, honestly. And he's done. Matt Harvey's done. Both their teams eliminated in college regionals this weekend. But like you said, at midseason, Matt Harvey, uh, I should say Drew Pomerantz, was kind of our are odds-on favor to be college player of the year. And really in the second half of the college season, he just wasn't quite as good. And I think Mike Bianco, coach at uh, Ole Miss, has had some interesting comments about that where he really says, you know, we nitpick, everybody's always a little critical, and the guy just goes out and wins. And he has in a lot of that. But I think it's fair to nitpick when you're going to give a guy three to five to six million dollars. I mean, what else are you going to do? You have to nitpick at that point, don't you? I, mean, I guess that's the point. We're not necessarily trying to, you know, be critical of these players necessarily, Jim. But when the teams are getting ready to make this big of a financial commitment, they really want to see the positives really outweigh the negatives. And they're just a lot of players. I mean, like you mentioned, Matt Harvey. I mean, Matt Harvey had a pretty disastrous sophomore year. I don't think there's a better way to put it. I mean, he was pretty bad in the Cape too. So all these players have some issues. Um, who are some of the – you mentioned them in the mock draft. We'll go over it real quickly here before we wrap up this podcast, which, again, is brought to you by MLB Network. I'm John Manuel. He is Jim Callis. He'll be on MLB Network tonight for the 2010 draft. Uh, Jim, who are some of the players who maybe aren't consensus top ten talents but have a shot to go in those first ten picks because they are signable for slot? I think um, I, you know, there's a lot of interest in Michael Choice. I think he would go there anyway. But when I was doing the mock draft – I realized that by our calculation or our rankings of the top college prospects in the draft, that Michael Choice is the only one of our top eight who is going to sign for, from a team perspective, would maybe be called a reasonable number. Uh, you know, I know, you know, just going down the list, you know, Chris Sale's looking for to be treated like the top college pitcher, which is usually some kind of deal worth around $5 million. I think Drew Pomerantz is looking for the same. Buster Posey money has been thrown out for Grandall. Uh, you know, $6.2 million. Uh, uh, Zach Cox, uh, you know, there's Pedro Alvarez money, which is six. You know, Harvey's got got Boris. Cologne's got Boris. I mean, if you want a college guy, there aren't a lot of guys who are going to sign for slot. So if you're looking for guys who could move up, it's college guys 
who are not going to fight you for slot. And you, you could see Asher Wojciechowski sneak into the top ten picks, or Citadel right-hander. You could see Barrett Lauks, the Texas A&M right-hander, sneak in with a couple teams. Uh, you could see uh, Justin O'Connor, Indiana high school catcher, uh, is very much in the mix for the Mets at seven and the Athletics at ten. And you might see Colburn Vidic uh, at number nine to the Padres, although I, I think if they took him at nine, it would be more because they like him than the fact that he's that it, you know they think they're getting a deal with him. Right, yeah, he had a great workout for them, as did Michael Choice, and it sounds like you know a lot of people have workouts, and there might be, I think, as we've talked about already, Jim, teams are going to, a guy might be number six on one team's board and number 25 on another team's board. Uh, there are going to be a lot of divergent picks. I think there going to be a lot of picks where clubs are in their own war rooms and saying, wow, I can't believe they took that guy that high. But that's, I think everyone's going to kind of give the other clubs the benefit of the doubt because the talent is so jumbled up this year. Um, I guess it sounds like the other, the other guys who could be moving up, some of the high school guys who could be moving up, it seems like the state of Georgia, with the depth of talent in the state of Georgia, attracted so much national scouting attention, so many cross-checkers, scouting directors, that kind of thing, even more so than usual, that that has led to a couple of Georgia talents who could really jump up boards into liner to shields. And Jake Skoll, the high school outfielder at Blessed Trinity High, uh, younger brother of Matt Skoll, the third baseman at Georgia Tech, how in play are those two guys in the first round? Um, I think they, they both have a good chance. Uh, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, it's funny because coming into the year, I guess Chavez Clark was your top high school outfielder. Uh, you know, I'm going to put you on hold for one second, John. The draft phone is ringing, so okay. hold on one second. We'll put you on hold. Well, having done Georgia, I can say that Chavez Clark was the top guy coming into the state, and I still think Chavez Clark is going to go like supplemental minutes. first round. But uh, I do think sounds like Skull. Was, that was, that was, I'm sorry, John. That was, uh, that was a radio station and not a scouting director, so that, false alarm there on the draft phone. That's okay. Well, I, was just talk, I was just telling our audience that Skull was a guy who's a really interesting story because – Football, baseball guy, football scholarship commitment to Georgia Tech, uh, very athletic uh, and a left-handed bat, uh, but a guy who played three games, rolled his ankle, missed the entire regular season, but came back with a vengeance in the Georgia State High School playoffs, six home runs in his first six games, then really cemented his spot as a supplemental first-rounder or better when he had a showdown game with Caleb Cowart, the top talent in the state of Georgia, who might be a very tough sign. But he had two base hits and another. He had hard contact in three out of four bats against Coward and then struck out looking in the other at bat. And that really seems to have cemented Skull's spot in the first round. And it sounds like they're not, he's not a consensus first round guy, but he's got a, several teams that are on Jake Skull in the first round, right? But that's true. I, I do. I, I would be very surprised if he went any lower than the 34th pick to the Blue Jays. And I don't think he's going to get there because I think there's enough interest in him. Um, you know, and what makes him attractive, too, is here's a guy. They shot up boards, so they should be able to sign him for slot. Plus, with the football, you can very easily make that guy a two-sport deal that you spread over multiple multiple years. So you know, he's a guy. You, well, what's appealing is he's a guy you like, and you can kind of deal with him. I and mean, what I was starting to say before the phone rang was, uh, you know, it was interesting to me that, that Chevy Clark was the top outfielder in in Georgia coming into the year, and now he might be fifth among the high school outfielders because I think. Uh, the line of the shields, I, I, I shot up boards, you know, for a few teams, and I think he's either going to go eight to Houston or eleven to Toronto, and you know, and if he doesn't go there, it's seventeen to Tampa Bay or nineteen to Houston. I don't think there's any way he gets past nineteen to Houston. I'm not knocking you have down. Aaron Shipman, who I think uh, yeah. from, from Quitman, Georgia, is going to go in the sandwich round somewhere. Uh, yeah, you have uh, you know, Nico Goodrum 
has got a little late helium, and I don't think he's necessarily a first or sandwich round pick, but he might be a second round pick. I mean, Chevy Clark might be the, the fifth or sixth high school outfielder drafted out of Georgia this year. Yeah, that state's crazy because you didn't even mention Chris Hawkins, who I, I really like. And, and there's I, another guy who's got a lot of buzz. That guy's gotten compared to players such as Colby Rasmus and Jim Edmonds. I mean, <laughs> those are good comparisons if you're talking about a left-handed hitting center fielder. Um, you know, if you're going to be compared to somebody, those are good guys to get compared to. And the crazy thing with the Shields for me, Jim, and let's let's wrap up the podcast on this note. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did a lot of the Shields is a five foot nine outfielder, right? I mean, <laughs> with a thirty arm, maybe a forty arm. I mean, I think he's better than Ben Revere in some ways. He's more explosive. But I mean, how has this guy jumped up board so high? Um, people fall in love with athleticism, and, you know, this is a draft where there's not a lot of consensus on talent, and you see a guy who's got, you know, true 80 speed on the 2080 scouting scale, and you get excited. I, I heard he ran, like, a, a 6.2560 in a Blue Jays workout. I heard that. I um, heard he had some 6.3 times. Um, he started, I think, pretty slow this spring with the bat. Um, I mean, he's got bat speed, and he's got some strength, but, he, you know, doesn't always hit the ball with authority. And, you know, there are some people who question quite honestly if Delino uh, gives you consistent effort every time out so that there are some people who I don't think I think would just cross him off on makeup but you know that's the, the, the interesting thing about the draft you don't, you don't get drafted where the consensus says you should get drafted you get drafted where the top team that likes you or the team that likes you the most is willing to pick you and that's why uh, you know when we do all our, our in-depth coverage our top 200 and our, our state-by-state lists and you know, you'll occasionally get a Wiseacre fan, oh, you know, you had Delano DeShields as the eighth best player in Georgia, and he went eighth in the draft. Well, you know, teams aren't, you know, it's not like all 30 teams think Delano DeShields should go eight, but if the Astros think he should go eight, he might very well go eight. It's two entirely different things. Absolutely. Well, great work as always. All 50 states are up at BaseballAmerica.com for subscribers. It's really just unparalleled coverage. Nobody comes close to the depth of coverage that we do at Baseball America. And nobody comes close to following the first round of Jim Callis. I remind everybody, uh, nobody else has come close to 18 for 18. Granted, that was 2005, but 18 for 18 at the top of the draft, Jim. That's still, an, uh, as Jim Rome would say, a performance of epic uh, effort. So that was a, that was an epic draft uh, mock performance. Well, the thing that kills me about that, John, is now I, I think I put in even more time. Yeah, I think I work harder on this every year. You know, there's more people trying to do it, so you want to do better. And I went back and looked <laughs> in the four years coming into this one, so 06 through 09, combined, combined, you know, this is four drafts, <laughs> correct picks starting from the top of the draft, total 10. Uh, oh. You know, I obviously get picks <laughs> later in the first round correct. I think last year I had 11 or 12 out of the 32 picks. But uh, it, 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 in some ways it, it kills me to work, know that no matter how hard I work, I will never come close to getting 18 again. I think, uh, I think my, my career high since then is four. Uh, <laughs> so we will, we will, we will see. I, uh, I am going to release another mock later today because stuff is so fluid now that the draft's at night. I feel pretty good. I'm going three for three right now uh, with Harper, uh, Tyone, and Machado, but uh, still trying to work on Kansas City and go from there. All right, well, we'll look for you on MLB Network's coverage, and we'll, of course, look for the mock at BaseballAmerica.com. Thanks for squeezing in the podcast, Jim. Yeah, good talking to you, and uh, we'll, we'll keep going at it hard today. All right, for Jim Callis, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.